Good morning and welcome to the story behind our success. I am Rebecca Rouse, your host and head lizard at Neon Lizard Creative Marketing and Design, where we build foundational brands with social impact. Find us on the web at neonlizardcreative.com. Let's get started. Hello, thank you so much for being on our show. Today we have Stephen Hoffman with founderspace.com. So you guys pay attention, write that down and let's talk to him. How are you doing today? Rebecca, I'm doing great. That is fantastic. I want to know all about this. Okay. Pretend I know nothing. I ha- They haven't done all the research I have. So tell me, what is Founderspace? What do you do? Who's your best client? Tell us all about it. So Founderspace is a global startup accelerator. We work with entrepreneurs all over the world. So we started in Silicon Valley, and now we're in 22 countries. We help fund startups. We train them. We go deep on their business plan, and we help them scale and grow their businesses. So that's what we do. And I personally, I'm also an author. Uh, HarperCollins just published my most recent book called Surviving a Startup, which is really about everything that entrepreneurs go through. And I'll tell you, I know it because I not only coach hundreds of entrepreneurs every year, but I have founded two bootstrap startups and three venture funded startups in Silicon Valley. So I've been in the trenches and I know what entrepreneurs go through. (laughs) That's amazing. Now, my question is, where do you get all this money? How do you fund so many people? Are you just getting that well known? Everybody knows who you are, knows that what you do always, you know, goes to the top? It's a combination of things. So we've been around. We've been in business as founder space over a decade. So we were one of the early incubators. Now we don't fund all the startups we work with ourselves. We have a large investor network, both here in the United States and overseas. Mm-hmm. So depending on geographically where the startup is, what they need, we will connect them with the right investors in their market that are focused on their segment. So that's how we help and support so many startups in so many locations. But I began Founder Space really, I was an entrepreneur. And after I'd done my third venture funded company, I took was taking a break and all my friends started to come to me. And my nickname in Silicon Valley is Captain Hoth. So they all started coming to me, Captain Off, how did you do it? How did you raise your capital? How did you start your company? How do I speak to investors and put together a pitch deck? All these questions they had. I started helping them and then it just grew organically. And soon we set up our own startup incubator in Silicon Valley. And then we just, people from all over the world were coming to Silicon Valley at that time because it was, you know, the nexus, the magic of startups. And we started to connect with them and really became the gateway into Silicon Valley for people from all around the world. And then they started to invite us to their countries to actually work with entrepreneurs. My question is, are you working strictly with tech companies that are startups or do you work with any kind of company? Well, we train all types of companies. Mm -hmm. So I I personally, you know, we give courses both online and offline to uh, everything from small entrepreneurs, running family businesses, Mm -hmm. through mid-sized companies, through we actually consult with some of the largest corporations in the world. So we work with Qualcomm and Bosch and these huge companies, helping them innovate and actually access startups, collaborate with startups. So we really uh, uh, run the gamut in terms of who we work with. 
But our core, when it comes to investment, when we are actually putting in dollars, not training, but real dollars, that tends to be highly scalable companies. They don't necessarily have to be technology focused, although the majority of them are, because those are the companies that are growing the fastest these days. But they have to have a business model that can really grow exponentially. That's amazing. What about if I have a product? If you have a product, it depends what type of product it is. And like I said, so we help a lot of entrepreneurs with products. And some of those products are niche products for a small market. Mm -hmm. And they would mostly be interested in taking our courses and all the material we have on founder space. But when we run our acceleration programs and actually bring them in and start investing in them time, resources, money, uh, then we're pretty selective. And that means your product has to be what we would consider a hit product. It has to be one that will go everywhere, you know, sort of like a winner on Shark Tank. And if it's not, <laughs> if it's not at that level, um, we usually it can't afford to invest in it because the businesses that grow slowly are, are really, it's really tough as an investor to get your money out because they're just growing right. slowly. They become more like lifestyle businesses or family businesses. They don't become these targets for acquisition or IPO. Wow, that's amazing. I, I'm really interested in the incubator portion of the program. I've been part of a uh, countywide incubator program, which is tripled us in size. And I know that we got subsidized market space. We got um, lots of uh, mentorship. We had access to grants. We had all these different things. What kind of things do you bring to the table for those people in your incubator space? So the biggest thing is when they come, let's say, to Silicon Valley is access to our network. So we have over 300 mentors. Some of these people are at Google, some are at Facebook, some are, you know, all sorts of different startups in Silicon Valley. Some are marketing experts, some are the top lawyers in Silicon Valley. So getting access to those people, having them come in and actually give them advice, mm-hmm. invaluable at the time. Oh, yeah. We also have a big investor network and we run pitch days. So the startups pitch to investors. That's really, really valuable for those who are raising capital. Mm-hmm. And then You know, we take the time, all of our instructors, everybody who actually works with the startups, like running our programs, they've all been entrepreneurs. So they they understand what an entrepreneur is going through. And really, because we work with so many startups, we start to see the pitfalls and the roadblocks. And a lot of our job is to help these startups not make the same mistakes that so many, that kill so many others, because The reason I I call my book Surviving a Startup is because most startups, the majority, do not survive. So they they fail at some point, you know, within five years, they they cease to exist. So we want we want to get that rate as low as possible. Well, what is the biggest sin a startup can do? There are many sins a startup can make, but probably (laughs) I'll I'll give you the top three because there are three really important mistakes startup make. So the first mistake startups make is that instead of focusing on instead of focusing on raising and building a great team, which is really what you need to build a business that grows, they focus on their product or service. Mm-hmm. Now, all their if all their time is going into their product or service, that means they have to do everything if they don't have a great team. If they have a mediocre team or no team at all, it's just it's really hard for them to grow. It's really hard for them to get beyond that threshold where they're going to take off. So I tell entrepreneurs, 
When you begin a company, number one thing you should do is put 80% of your time up front, not into working on your product, not into delivering your service, but into thinking about who you need to grow this business. Who do you need on board? And how can you bring and incentivize those people to come on board early to help you build the type of business that can really become a bigger business, not just a, a small consulting business, not just like a family business, but something you know that is franchised or something that grows really fast. How do you do that? The team is essential. Number two, the next mistake they make, and this seems counterintuitive, is that they start with the idea. Now you're like, whoa, is it aren't entrepreneurs supposed to start with I know. the idea? You yeah. Know, it's, they're supposed to have this epiphany and see this magic, you know, this opportunity <laughs> and jump in and convert the world to their idea. Honestly, that is not the way most successful startups begin. So it's really important for entrepreneurs to understand this. Your idea at the beginning is usually wrong. And if it's not wrong, it's not complete. And, and the reason for this is because if your idea is just a copy of what everybody else is doing, then you can get it right. But then you have no competitive edge. So you're really, as a startup, you're not going to grow very fast. If you want to have one of these breakthrough companies that really just you know, goes exponential, mm -hmm. then you need to have an idea that nobody's tried before. Nobody's thought of. Nobody's done it the way you're doing it. I love now, the way you think. <laughs> yes. But how can you do that uh, when you have no data, when you haven't really gone into the world, when it's just an idea in your head? So let me tell you. All these great companies that we think of, oh, they must have had that epiphany when they started and they became so big, actually did not. Google, for example. You know, Google started off as a niche product. In fact, the founders of Google thought they were a nonprofit. A nonprofit, which is ironic. <laughs> They're one of the most profitable companies in the world in history. Mm -hmm. How could they think they were doing a nonprofit? Well, they were building a product for academics to find research papers online. Only later did it become this general search engine, which is what changed the world. YouTube, they were doing a video dating site, which was failing. before really? they. Yes. I did not know that. Yes. And they were about to fail. And then they figured out, oh, you know, people want to share videos and we've already built the site where they can upload videos and share a link. Boom. That's what became YouTube. This link sharing videos online. All these, you know, Slack, which is today enormous. They began as a game. They were a game which was failing. But then the engineers in Slack had built this communications platform between mm -hmm. themselves to make themselves more efficient. And they turned around and said, maybe that should be our product. So I'm telling you, as entrepreneurs, don't fixate on your idea. Your idea is just a starting point. What you really need to do is pick a direction that you're interested in going and then start going into the real world. The entrepreneur's job is not to prove to the world their idea works. It's to find an, where there is pent up demand for something people aren't getting that they really, really need. So I call these pockets of demand. And because markets are shifting, technology is always changing, the world is changing, new pockets of demand are always forming for unmet needs. So all these people need something, but it isn't there. The great entrepreneurs tap into one of these things, these pockets of demand, and then it propels the startup to become this unicorn, as we call this, a billion-dollar company. But so an, a startup founder's job is not to sit around thinking of ideas. 
It's to go out and hunt for demand. And when you find, oh, all these people need something that they're not getting, they're having this problem that isn't being solved. They want to do something that they can't do on, currently on the internet. I will then build a product to meet that demand. Those are the companies that almost always end up becoming successful. Because the hard part is not building a product. All of us can build a product. The hard part is building a product that matches that, that need for the product, that real need. Nobody can create demand. It has to be there. Number three, this is the third mistake that entrepreneurs make. They stick with the same idea too long. So they fall in love with their idea. They think the world really needs it but they haven't really matched that idea with demand out there. It's just an idea and nobody really cares. And then they keep working on this idea, changing it, adding features, you know, but they, they really good entrepreneurs right away when they don't see that idea taking off, meaning there's not a lot of demand behind it. They ditch it. They quit that and they start something new. So they quit many times until they nail it. Those are the great entrepreneurs. Wow, that is just three massive nuggets. <laughs> Those are fantastic advice. All right, so do you see a trend in the industries on how things are going or what direction people are going? Are they going more? I mean, I know relationship is huge in my field. I'm all, all about that, is building relationship and your business building relationship. And, and people like me come in and, and, and help you free up time to go build more relationships. Is that true also in what you're doing or are you seeing different kinds of trends? So the trends I see for the companies we track, mm -hmm. they tend to be focused on emerging technologies. So yeah. whenever an, a new technology emerges, it opens up a lot of doors because what it does is a new technology allows you to like AI, for example, or the blockchain, mm -hmm. it allows you to do things that were never possible before. It allows you to solve problems that couldn't be solved before. It allows you to create value for your customers in a way that you couldn't like before. So uh, really good entrepreneurs today are looking at these technologies as they emerge and they don't really de develop these technologies. A lot of times they just take them, they're out there, but they, as soon as that they take that technology, they apply it to a problem, to solve something, to create true, what I call core value for the customer. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones that are successful. So it's a combination of technology alone does nothing. Nobody cares about the technology itself. They mm -hmm. care about how the technology can help them do something, solve a problem, get results they need. We want more profit. We want to be more efficient. We want to lower our costs. We want, you know, whatever they need. If the technology can out allow them to do that in a way that isn't incrementally better than what they're already doing. Because right. if it's incrementally better, everybody will stick with the old tech. Like we don't want to change. Nobody wants to learn new tech. Nobody wants to adopt a new system or platform. Mm -hmm. No, it has to be an exponentially better result. Love it. So an order of magnitude, two times, three times, four times better. Then all of a sudden that technology uh, empowers, uh, you know, these customers to do something so much better or even to do something they could never do before, different, a new thing. And then they jump on it. Are you seeing a lot of trends toward the uh, socially responsible uh, you know, trends that are going to take that technology and use it to better the world kind of say, thing or more of the product base? We see both. Okay. So there are a lot of entrepreneurs who are focused, you know, every business, if it's a good business uh, and, and, it, and it's a, 
the business owners are ethical and they actually want to help businesses. They want to help entrepreneurs. They want to help establish companies or they want to create a new product for somebody is making the world a better place because they're providing service and products for people to make their lives better. But there are ones that are go beyond that. And they say, look, the world has a lot of really intractable problems that need to be solved. And we aren't solving these you know, the traditional way. Like, so we're going to take technology, we're going to take new business models, we're going to take new ideas, and we're going to apply them to these problems, whether it's poverty, you know, homelessness, mm-hmm. whether it's climate change, whether it's you know, pandemics that are sprouting up and we're using, you know, <laughs> all, all these, these new gene <laughs> editing technologies to create vaccines. Uh-huh. So there's so many different areas. And I really love the entrepreneurs. The entrepreneurs, I think, that have the will have the greatest impact on the world aren't doing things that are necessarily strictly nonprofit. There is a role for nonprofits, and that's where they're just it's impossible to make a profit. But the problem with a nonprofit is you can't grow it, like except by raising more money from donors. And it's always, you know, that's really hard to do to raise money from donors. The businesses that end up usually having a far bigger impact. They not only solve a critical problem like malaria or something, Mm -hmm. but they actually build in a profit mechanism to that. And that profit mechanism allows them to take this idea and just grow it like crazy. So you see Moderna with, you know, the the vaccines, right? And Pfizer, those are for-profit companies. But, you know, they managed to end up coming up with the vaccines that are, you know, saving so many lives and and they've grown that really big. we we see this in problems around the world. You know, there's tons of pollution in the ocean. We're having all these different problems, you know, all the plastics and everything. Could somebody come up with a way, a for-profit way to clean up the oceans? That would be much more scalable than a nonprofit way because we know the amount of money it would take to get donations to clean it up. It's it's almost impossible like to solve right. that problem in a nonprofit way. So if somebody can come up with some bacteria that eat up all the plastics and everything else and, you know, and not kill the fish and not kill the fish and maybe make fish farms healthier, whatever it is, the if, if those can have an enormous impact. That's amazing. What is the biggest threat to your industry today? Is there a threat? I mean, because when you think of technology of much of what, I, I maybe I'm off off base there, but are there any threats? Uh, like, There are. So I will tell you. So we want a stable world. So if the world, you know, if we enter into an unstable world where we really, where cold wars heat up into hot wars mm-hmm. and we actually have conflict, those could be very disruptive to our industry, uh, to the world itself. We, we will see that. Climate change. You know, we are starting to feel climate change right now. <laughs> yeah. And literally cities are being flooded. You know, there's, I live in California and the state is burning, like burning, like the entire state. It's horrible. You've got to figure that threatens everything we do, including right. my industry. We're all impacted by that. You know, we have these huge clouds. It's not even healthy to be outdoors these <laughs> days. So, uh, and these problems are global. They're not confined to any one country. The whole world is experiencing this. Uh, there are also threats with the economy. 
So if the economy takes a big downturn, I mean, we've been on a bull market for a long time. Yeah. If, there's a, if there's a big hit, that's recoverable. I mean, we will recover from that. But uh, for a period of time, it could be really, really hard. So right now the money's flowing. People are very happy, you know, lots of capital, but that could dry up and it can dry. And when it dries up, it dries up really fast. So it could wipe out a whole lot of startups that are at the early stages mm -hmm. because they simply can't get access to the capital they had counted on to grow. So those are threats over regulation, another potential threat. Like you can regulation, smart regulation is good, but there's sometimes people go overboard and uh, that can kill industries and it can kill our competitiveness. So all of those together are, you know, are they're always present, those things, and we're going to have to deal with them. That's kind of scary. <laughs> that's kind of scary. Well, you asked. <laughs> I know. That's I understand that. That's that's fantastic, though, because you have to kind of go into everything with your eyes wide open. You have to know yes. all the possibilities before you take that big step. And I want our listeners to be able to uh, contact you and say, hey, I've got this idea. I've researched it already. I know it's a need and I'm here and I'm ready to go. Um, if they were to do that, what might be something they're super excited about with you particularly? And how do they get in touch with you? I'm super easy to reach. Just go to founderspace.com. So mm -hmm. founderspace.com, you can contact me. We have podcasts there. We have videos. We have all this material for entrepreneurs. So just go to Founderspace uh, and there's a contact form right on the front page. You can just click the button, contact me. You can also reach me on LinkedIn. If you want to reach me, I am on LinkedIn. Search for Steve Hoffman or Founderspace. You can find me there. And if you want to find my new book, Surviving a Startup, just go to Amazon or go to survivingastartup.com. That's fantastic. I can't wait to read that. I think that's going to be just so insightful. Just from this conversation, I've learned so much. Thank you. You're definitely an influencer and a leader in, in the world here. And I think uh, all the companies need to at least be looking at you and, and expanding their brain a little bit. I I have a, um, a thought process where I call it elasticity, where you you push yourself all the way to that edge where it becomes where you just don't think you can go any further. And that's where the, the genius comes. And I think, I think so. that's where you live. And I think that is so cool. <laughs> and I try to get entrepreneurs to do that, really push their limits, yeah, like really great. challenge themselves because a lot of times they're on the right path. They're just not going far enough. Right. Cause we're afraid. All of us yeah. are afraid. We all have imposter syndrome to some extent. I mean, we're all afraid that we're not going to we're going to end up looking like a fool. And I think that is uh, something where you, if you have an incubator program like yours, that's cheering you on in the background and stopping you when you're going down that wrong path, that just seems like a great idea. And I, I hope that the listeners will contact you and see how you can help them rise to a level they didn't think even possible. Well, that's my mission. So I'm very happy, Rebecca, to be on the show, sharing it with you. All right. The one mantra I got to ask, what's your mantra? So my mantra is to make entrepreneurs make their minds explode. Like Ooh, I, I want to make, I want them to, to just be bursting with ideas, erupting with ideas. Those are the entrepreneurs I love helping and working with. Oh, that's great. You should see my LinkedIn post today. I have a guy going, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yay! I love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. And if you have any questions for me or you need to say anything else, we'd love to have you back another time. And thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. I look forward to that. Thank you. All right. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for being a part of the story behind our success. If you are a successful six-figure entrepreneur or an inspirational speaker who would like to be on this program, please visit neonlizardcreative.com slash podcast slash apply. If we're inspired by this interview, we would be honored if you would share it on social media and even rate it. Your thumbs up rating goes a long way to promote the show. And if you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them, let them know. Hashtag story behind our success. And don't forget, opt in on the website so you don't miss an episode. We have some fantastic guests on the docket. And if you want to know more, check out neonlizardcreative.com. See you next time. Thank you.